You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and thank you for faithfully listening to this podcast week by week. Michael, we haven't talked about this in a while, but for new listeners, our program is a combination of new conversations and some of our past conversations from the radio program we used to do called In the Studio. So we have an example of that coming up today. Yeah, we've been doing this for, I mean, over 20 years. Right. And uh, in 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 that time, we talked to some amazing. I mean, I look back on the list of the guests that we've had. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty amazing. And and the brother who's going to uh, be on the program today is uh, he's one of the greatest musicians in Nashville. Uh, he's a, mm-hmm. a flute player named Sam Levine, flute and saxophone, and you know a dozen other instruments. But right, uh, yeah. you're going to get to hear his heart, which you don't you don't often get to hear the heart of a lot of the players. Well, that's coming up in the second half of our podcast this week. In the first half, though, we're going to uh, have a conversation centered on your music, The Way of Wisdom, and we'll be opening the scriptures together. And we use the CSB Bible here, of course, because we really want to encourage you to get into the Word, and the CSB is a great way to do that. So just know that as we turn to the scriptures in a few moments here. But I have a couple of comments from listeners, Mike. This one comes from Lana, who says, Hello, I've been listening a lot to your songs, and I purchased a copy of the Nazarene audiobook. I'm on a quest to have my imagination sanctified by dwelling on the life and work of Christ. It hasn't been easy, though your songs about Jesus have helped. So that's an Mm. interesting comment, I think. Wow. And here's one from Joel. I just wanted to share with you that my parents would listen to your present reality cassette in the car on long road trips, and all us kids would sing along. I, I get a lot of people say, you know, you're my mother's favorite musician. I get, I hear that more and more. Um, I still love that album to this day and listen to it often. I'm so thankful for the talent you were given and your willingness to let it shine for the glory of God. May he continue to bless you. Uh, wow. Thanks, Joel. Encourage, great encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Your comments mean a lot to us, so keep them coming. You can email us in the studio at michaelcard.com. You can leave your comment On the podcast source that you're listening to right now, most of them include a comment section. You can do it there now on Spotify, for instance. So thanks for those comments. They really do encourage us. And we read them all. We don't share all of them on the podcast, but we get to read them all. So thank you. Well, let's turn to the scriptures, Michael, and your music from The Way of Wisdom. And this will be the first half of our program this week. Um, Talk about The Way of Wisdom, the work that you did there. Well, um, I I did... I did an album on each each one of the sections of the Hebrew Bible, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. And the writings are the wisdom writings, uh, Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And um, we're, we're going to look at uh, look at those songs and, and, uh, and introduce them and read, read the, some of the scriptural background for each one. All right. Shall we begin with the song itself, The Way of Wisdom? And would you like to share the scripture that goes with this? Sure. Well, I mean, initially, uh, we'll look at John uh, 14, where um, Jesus says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord Thomas said, We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I'm the way. And uh, from Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. So this song is called The Way of Wisdom, and it's basically about how wisdom became a person, and uh, a person who, who calls himself the way. The way of wisdom starts out with a step of holy fear, and it makes its way along by every good word that you hear. It has to do with passion and it has to do with pain It has to do with one who has both died and rose again Died and rose again And the way of wisdom is living The path of peace is forgiving Behold the man of meaning Behold he is the of understanding lies and not how much you know for the pathway is a person that you come to love and so you can stop pretending that it all depends on you it's not how much you love as much as how much he loves you how much he loves you and the way of wisdom is living the path of peace is forgiving Behold the man of meaning Behold he is the Lord The way of wisdom beckons us To find the end of fear That perfect love pursues Wisdom did not come to simply speak The words of truth He's the word that makes us true is forgiving Behold the man of meaning Behold he is the Lord Behold he is the Lord Behold he is the Lord Just the first song in this series The Way of Wisdom from Michael Card Next is Ecclesiastes, and Mike, we're going to read the uh, the famous conclusion that Solomon penned in the book of Ecclesiastes, but you want to talk about this for a moment? Well, one of the the keys to understanding biblical wisdom as a follower of Jesus is that it's part of the incarnation. I mean, he, he, you know, the last song, we saw that he is the way, the way of wisdom. And uh, when you look at uh, Solomon, who's uh, so... Ecclesiastes is so sort of sad and and uh, somewhat hopeless because Solomon was looking for answers and what he really needed was a person mm-hmm. and uh, then God provides that person in His Son. We're going to hear your song under the sun. Here's uh, Ecclesiastes twelve verses thirteen and fourteen, reading from the CSB. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this: Fear God and keep His commands, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. 
the sun. Mike, this next song from the Way of Wisdom is a two-word prayer that I often pray. How long? How long, O Lord? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, all throughout the scripture, um, David, I think, is is kind of the key person that prays that prayer. But a lot of the characters, especially in the Hebrew Bible, are asking God, you know, how long? How long are you going to make us wait until you you move? And... uh, Psalm 13 though is 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 the is the primary expression I think you know how long O Lord uh, will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me is a question of presence how long will I store up anxious concerns within me agony in my mind every day how long will my enemy dominate me consider it me and answer Lord my God restore brightness to my eyes otherwise I will sleep in death my enemy will say I've triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And here's where it turns around. There's uh, uh, the Hebrew letter Vav uh, in verse five, which was which is translated "but." So it's the great turnaround, and the turnaround happens when he sees Hesed. Uh, but I have trusted in your Hesed, in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because He's treated me generously. It's this wonderful. You know, lament, 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 but, and then he remembers this, uh, this, 
loving faithfulness of God, this untranslatable word, hesed. And uh, as so often happens in the Lament Psalms, everything turns around when David or Solomon or whoever, Asaph or whoever it is, whenever they remember that God is a God of hesed, it, it, the, the lament becomes worship. And Psalm 13 is one of the best examples. Mm. What a great pattern for us to follow here in Scripture. Thank you for that. Here's the song, How Long. I'll count her off. One, two, one, two. like that song. Michael, thank you. It means so much more to read uh, Psalm 13 and then to hear you sing that song. Well, we're tracking through Michael's music from the way of wisdom. Uh, we come to Psalm 22 and the death of a son. How does this fit into the way of wisdom? Well, this is the psalm that Jesus quotes from the cross. It, it's, uh, it's always been meaningful to me that when he is enduring this you know, greatest suffering that anyone ever experienced, he goes to scripture. I mean, he's he's uh, he's relying on the words of scripture to understand and endure the suffering and make sense out of it. I guess and and uh, these are the words that he goes to Psalm twenty two one. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And uh, this mm-hmm. psalm has the same sort of structure that the Psalm thirteen has. In that, uh, in verse nineteen, there's that vav, the Hebrew word but. We translate it but, but it's a Hebrew letter vav. And it turns around and becomes more hopeful. I mean, uh, you know, that you've rescued my life from the sword. You've answered me. I'll praise you in the assembly. So um, 
even the structure of these psalms, I think, like you were saying, referring earlier, uh, Wayne, they give us hope that uh, this will be mm-hmm. our experience, that we lament, 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 but then we remember that God is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And that's uh, apparently this is the psalm that Jesus went to for that hope when he was on the cross. We won't take time to read all of Psalm 22, but can I encourage you to turn to it, if you can, and look at it as Michael sings, Death of a Son. Eli, Eli, Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning By night and by day I cry out in pain So why do you not answer? And you are enthroned as the Holy One And you are Father's trusted They cried out to you and were saved They were never disappointed They have pierced my feet and hands I looked for comforters but found none Oh, how could you forsake me? Oh, my strength, come quickly, come Come now, O Lord, and save me despise or disdain the suffering of the afflicted. In the congregation I will proclaim that from the grave you lifted me. In the miry depths I sink, the You, of course, explore the scriptures, Mike, when you write these songs, and it means so much to us to look at the scripture and listen to the song that, as you sing it here. It's just... We do this from time to time in the program, and I really enjoy this. So thanks to Joe Carlson, our producer, for thinking up this week's uh, outline here. Mm. We come now to Psalm 139, precious psalm, uh, ending with, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Well, th- this is where David is. It, you don't always want to celebrate that God knows all your thoughts, and <laughs> he knows you that well. Sobering, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's scary, actually. Uh, but this is a psalm where where David is really celebrating the fact that God knows him. Maybe he's, he's, he's trusting again on God being a God of Hesed, even though you know, he knows David completely, he still loves him and, and uh, that sort of thing. But he's, yeah, he's celebrating how well God knows him and that, that God is all around him. He's always there. And um, th- there's no place David can go to get away from God. And again, sometimes that's scary, but th- this is... Uh, this is something uh, that Psalm 139 celebrates, that, that God is a light that's around him all the time and that he's, he's constantly going to praise him, that his works are wonderful, his, 
His thoughts are wonderful. They're precious. And um, yeah, uh, David is celebrating how, how, how well God knows him, and he's inviting him to search his heart. And the song that God led you to write from Psalm 139 is entitled, Search Me. song to share from the way of wisdom. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You got to put the question mark, mm-hmm. right, Mike? Where will my help come from? Yes, right. I'm not looking to the hills. I'm looking to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember, uh, I remember, remember writing this song. I was in the mountains when I wrote this song. Uh, Were I was you? in my grandfather's cabin up in oh. the Smokies. Yeah. And uh, I don't often have that good a memory of of where the songs came from or how they came about, but I definitely remember sitting on the porch of my grandfather's cabin in uh, uh, Townsend, Tennessee, right outside the Smoky Mountain Park, and uh, <laughs> and coming up with this melody and and finding out that it, it really fit with Psalm 121. The song is my help. Here's Michael Card. Shamaim, Varez, 
tain la mo tragleka El ya num chomreka Ine valo valo isha up my eyes and to the hills from when shall come my help my help is with the Lord God maker of heaven and earth he will not give to the moving of your foot Nor shall slumber he who keeps thee Behold he'll not slumber nor will he sleep He who keeps is We need to pause the session but there's more after a midpoint break that you won't want to miss If you're enjoying what you've heard so far, we hope you'll stop by the Michael Card Music Facebook page and interact with other listeners about what you've discovered. Or you can reach us directly with your comments, song requests, or questions via email. Write to us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Again, inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Summertime is a great opportunity to catch up on any episode you might have missed. Search the extensive collection of current and classic episodes, share what you find with a friend, and subscribe to keep up with new editions available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you'd like to go deeper in your walk with Christ, check out Michael's books and music, including his latest titled The Nazarene, 40 Devotions on the Lyrical Life of Jesus. Look for this at michaelcard.com. There's more to this session coming up after this message here in the studio with Michael Card. I love God's Word, and the CSB Study Bible is a wonderful addition to help you grow in love and devotion to the truth of the Bible. This fresh translation combined with meaningful commentary and study tools can help you make lifelong connections with God's Word. Search for the CSB Study Bible at csbible.com. Put your interest to learn into action as you open up God's Word with an array of study notes and word studies and more for your deep study and daily reading. When you visit online, see how you can explore the rich meaning of the text through this edition. Be sure to use the special 40% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 with caps, no spaces, in the promotion code for your 40% discount with LifeWay. I hope the CSB Study Bible can be used to further your discipleship journey. Search for CSB Study Bible now at csbible.com. Mike, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to go to the archive and hear a segment we did uh, at the Mole Inn studio years ago with Sam Levine. We were talking about the way of wisdom and hearing your songs a few moments ago, but tell us where we're headed next. Well, we're going to look at this idea of uh, suffering and how it's connected to the the wisdom writings. And um, I, I guess the fundamental question is, why do we suffer? And the answer that we have in Jesus um, uh, teaching to Nicodemus 
you lift up this symbol of suffering and everyone who looks to it uh, will find healing. And that symbol of suffering, of course, is Jesus' cross. Mm-hmm. Well, let's pick it up midstream. Again, Sam Levine in the studio with us. Here's Mike. Let's look at the New Testament passage first in uh, that uh, wonderful exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. Uh, Jesus always finds the perfect road in to whoever he's uh, engaging. You know, he's at the wo- with the woman at the well. He talks about water and the bucket, and, and he's with Nicodemus, who is a man of the Old Testament. He, he uses an Old Testament image that you and I might not be familiar with, but that Nicodemus was certainly familiar with. Um, and explaining himself to Nicodemus in uh, John chapter 3 around verse, um, well, let's start verse 10. Okay. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Jesus has been talking about new birth and that sort of thing. I assure you, I'm telling you what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe us. But if you don't even believe me when I tell you about things that happen here on earth— the wind and right. new birth, that sort of thing. How can you possibly believe if I tell you what's going on in heaven? For only I, the Son of Man, have come to earth and will return to heaven again. And here's the passage we're going to look at. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole, so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. One reason I appreciate you going deeply into chapter 3 here is we often stop with the first few verses oh, and, yeah. and expound on what it means to be born again mm-hmm. and miss this entirely. And this is a passage that's so rich with uh, Old Testament content. Which is something you pick up on in your song we're going to hear now here in the studio, Lift Up the Suffering Symbol. Uh, the studio is kind of crowded here today. We have Scott Brazier at the piano keyboard here and Sam Levine that I mentioned earlier is with us playing woodwinds, Paul Eckberg percussion. Right now, here's Michael Card. Lift up the suffering symbol. One, two, three, four. They grew tired of bread from heaven And of Moses and of God And longed to live the life of slavery once again So they muttered and they grumbled and they whimpered and they whined And with each faithless word sank deeper into sin He took the pen of pain once more to write upon their hearts A lesson they had been so slow to learn And writhing in the sand the fiery serpent came to call with a holy message and a bite that burned. Lift up the suffering symbol and place it high upon a pole. Tell the children to look up and be made whole. Lift up the suffering symbol and place it high upon a pole. Tell the children to look up and be made whole. And nailed it to a pole 
and sent out the saving word so they would know that the symbol of their suffering was now the focus of their faith and with a faithful glance the healing power would flow in time the brazen serpent became an idol in the land and they left the living god to worship clay when they forgot their suffering soon their faith had disappeared and so some idolize a brazen cross today suffering symbol and place it high upon a pole and tell the children to look up and be made whole lift up the suffering symbol and place it high upon a pole and tell the children to look up and be made whole Michael, as we begin this look at the uh, suffering symbol that you sing about here in the studio, allow me to read uh, back in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, we'll read uh, verses 4 through 9. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient along the way, and they began to murmur against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this wretched manna. I wish Mm. I could put a wine in my voice like they must have had. (laughs) So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them, and many of them were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to the top of a pole. Those who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to the top of a pole. Whenever those who were bitten looked at the bronze snake, they recovered. Mm. That's an amazing story, isn't it? And that is exactly the passage that Jesus appeals to when he's trying to explain himself to Nicodemus. He says, and I, the son of man, I'm going to be lifted up, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, we hear this language. We I hear it in worship services all the time, misused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, lifted up, yeah. Lift, lift up. The... <laughs> yeah, lifted up. To, to be lifted up in the New Testament is to be crucified. That is consistently in the gospel, the metaphor that Jesus used. And, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And people say, oh, well, Jesus said if we just lift him up, right, that'll draw right. all men. And so that becomes a reason or an excuse, really, for a praise, which, which really really isn't what Jesus had in mind at all. Jesus says uh, his, his sacrificial death for us is being lifted up. In fact, the very next verse in John says, he said this to signify what kind of death he would die. Mm-hmm. Lifted up be, means crucified. And even as early as John 3, Jesus is using that same metaphor. I'm going to be lifted up on a pole the way this uh, snake was lifted up. And to, to me, the process is just fascinating uh, that, that God commands Moses to make a replica 
of the very thing that was causing them to suffer. I mean, these serpents. I mean, the last thing, if I'm dying of snake bite, the last thing I want to do is, <laughs> is look, look at up. another snake. Yeah. Is look up. Yeah. But what God tells Moses to do, you make this, this brass brazen, this brass serpent, and you put it up on a pole and tell the people, if they'll simply look at it, they'll be healed. And, and that so uh, beautifully uh, unpacks what the cross of Jesus is all about. I mean, because Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he becomes sin, the Bible tells us. Uh, the very thing that has uh, that is destroying us, that has bitten us, as it were, and, and we're dying of. And God tells us, you look at that cross mm. and you'll be healed. You turn to that cross, the, the very symbol of your suffering, uh, and I will heal you. And that's exactly what the cross is. It's, it's our healing. It's our salvation. But as we learn later in this story, later in the scriptures, they actually make an idol out of all of this. And there again is a, is a terrific lesson for us. It, it really is. In, in 2 Kings 18, uh, uh, as Hezekiah uh, comes and uh, begins to destroy the shrines and uh, the Asherah poles, he discovers this bronze snake that Moses has made. The people of Israel had kept this snake, and they had begun to worship it. Uh, they even gave it a name. It was called Nahushtan, mm. which means bronze or brass thing. What a perversion. It, it really is. But we do the same thing today. That's the point that the song tries to make. But let me read this passage in Second uh, Kings 18. Um, talking about the coming of Hezekiah, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines. He smashed the sacred pillars and knocked down the Asherah poles. Um, he broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had begun to worship it by burning incense to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. So what, what God had, had gifted them with, this wonderful symbol that they, they could look to and find healing from their this snake bite uh, business, uh, they turn back around, they take the grace of God, they make an idol out of this object, and they begin to worship the idol. So anything but what God intends them to do, they do. I suppose the obvious question is, what are we worshiping instead of the real thing? And that's exactly the point, Wayne. Uh, in, in the song, I say some people idolize a bread and cross today. Uh, for so many people, the cross has become just this idol, uh, a token. I see people uh, wearing crosses in, in um, I think, inappropriate ways and uh, just making, again, just an idol of it. And I think it becomes an idol whenever we look at it and we don't realize that this is what God has done for us. When it just becomes simply a token simply a sign, and it becomes devoid of this rich, deep meaning. Uh, if you don't stand before the cross, and are, are, if you're not tempted to break into tears, if you're not uh, uh, sorry for your own sin, because your sin is what hung Jesus there, your sin and my sin is what hung Jesus there, then you've begun to make it an idol. I think that's a, a question that we really need to be serious about asking ourselves. Well, I think it's a good reminder because we do need to step back. Sometimes, you know, we kind of go along and we take things for granted and, oh, yeah, the cross. We and, yeah, become I know, very I know, free and easy with it. I know all about that. I, you know, I've been there, done that. Yeah. Uh, we need to take a step back and rethink what happened. If we don't stand before that cross and are heartbroken 
and have our hearts filled with uh, adoration and gra- gratitude uh, to Jesus for having paid that price for us. We're, we've begun to drift, and we need to be careful. Hmm. So that, that's really what this song is all about. I mean, Jesus reveals himself uh, to Nicodemus, even as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. I'm going to be lifted up, Nicodemus. I'm going to be hung on a high cross so that people for miles away can see me hanging there. And even as the children were told to look at that cross to find healing. So God is going to tell his people, look to that cross and you'll find healing from your sin. That's the cross. I really appreciate this lesson today. The other thing that I get from this is an enthusiasm to understand how the Old Testament oh. it fits into the new, and, and yeah. you know, it just and this is just such a uh, one example of so many. It is a wonderful example, but what I find, Wayne, is that almost every time Jesus opens his mouth, <laughs> there is either a quote or some sort of allusion. He he quotes proverbs all the time, especially in the Gospel of John. Uh, he is always understanding himself from some passage from the Old Testament. And and if that's not an incentive for you and me to get really serious about going back to the Old Testament, I don't know what is. We really can't understand what Jesus is saying unless we do that, can we? No, we, we can't. Uh, when John the Baptist will say, you know, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, what, on, what in the world is he talking about? We don't know unless we turn to Exodus and we find out what the Passover lamb is all about. Well, perhaps we understand on one level, but there's so many levels that go deeper than that. Yeah, I think, and the one level tends to be a, a fairly superficial, touchy-feely, oh, he's this lamb that somehow is going to be slain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not until we understand that the Passover lamb is slain, his blood is used to mark the doorposts of the of the house as as Jesus' blood marks the doorposts of our hearts, as it were. I mean, you see, uh, as you say, all this rich symbolism becomes uh, unpacked as we turn to Exodus, as we turn to, of all places, Leviticus, which is one of Jesus' favorite (laughs) books to quote. We always skip that one, don't we? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But he sees himself in that book, you know. He sees himself in the various stories of Moses and Abraham and the other patriarchs. And uh, how can we then not go and, and try to find more of Jesus in the Old Testament? I think of that when I run into people and, and the comment is made, well, you know, when you really get down to it, I I spend my time in the New Testament. Right. I don't spend any time in the Old Testament. Well, if you're truly spending time in the New Testament, the old is there. You're getting it. You're, you're going to be driven to the Old Testament again and again because uh, uh, Jesus and and uh, certainly Paul, you go to a book like Hebrews, which is basically an Old Testament commentary on the sacrificial system and the priesthood system and, and how Jesus uh, makes all that come to life and fulfills those images. No, uh, you know, when people say, oh, we're a New Testament church, I always go, ooh, <laughs> please don't say that. Yeah. You know, when, did, when did this light bulb come on for you? Were you a student under Bill Lane's teaching when that happened? It, it, it happened. I can tell you, you know, it was a summer afternoon. We were doing a class uh, on the life of Jesus, and Bill unpacked one passage for us that re- that referred back to, uh, well, it's a passage in uh, John 7 where Jesus uh, uh, is is in Jerusalem uh, for the, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Hmm. And Jesus uh, stands up in the back of this large crowd and he says, uh, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
And uh, I'd always read right over that and thought, you know, gee, what a beautiful thing. Like you were saying earlier, very yeah, superficial right. reading. But Dr. Lane pointed out to us that Jesus was fulfilling an image uh, that that was part of the observance from Tabernacle. He was uh, actually responding to a passage the high priest had just read from uh, the prophets where uh, the high priest said, um, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Hmm. The, the high priest in hmm. front of this large crowd had just read this passage on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's exactly at that point that Jesus stands up and John says, in a loud voice says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Hmm. At that moment, Wayne, I thought, I'm going to find every example of this in the, the New Testament that I can possibly find. And I'm still finding it. And, and we are richer for it, yeah. for what you have found and shared with us, Michael. I think for me, it was hearing a message about uh, Christ coming for his church as mm-hmm. a, a bridegroom cometh for the bride mm-hmm. and all the rich imagery of the Old Testament, uh, the, the wedding, the Jewish wedding, yeah. uh, that I remember very clearly a message back in the early 1970s that I heard that my, I mean, I just literally sat there with my mouth open. Yeah, and to run home and to start paging through yeah. and running cross-references, it's an exciting thing. And I hope the, the listeners out there will, will uh, share this excitement with us. so nice and that is live here in the mm. studio with michael card our guest sam levine here with uh what is that sam a soprano saxophone that's a soprano yeah. saxophone i <laughs> love that sound michael what, what do you think it's amazing you think it's sam amazing. has a chance at uh being a musician someday uh, yeah i think so <laughs> turning think pro so. i'm thinking about turning <laughs> pro <laughs> how many records do you have now Seven as an artist. There you go. Hmm. And then I, you've played on a gazillion other records. Yes, I've lost yeah. track somewhat. Yeah, I've, I see a lot of woodwind instruments here in the studio that you've brought. I don't see a bassoon or an oboe. Have you played those? Very good point. I Split. stay away from double reeds. Yeah. Do you? Okay. Good move. You have yeah. your you have your standards. Uh, in other words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't want to be associated with. Them. I found out some time ago that it's better to leave that to the ones who specialize. They're just first of all, you have to make your own reeds, and then yeah. they're just a world all unto themselves. Mm. And stylistically, it's a different world, too. Huh. Um, well, I, I do uh, fool around with uh, single reed instruments. Now, that I've been known to associate with. He calls it fooling around. Actually, yeah. Sam Levine is very accomplished <laughs> yes. and uh, actually um, has accompanied you, Michael. We, we met probably about 82 or 3 or... I had seen you play before that in a concert. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's probably the Norbert, first time we met. Yeah, Norbert when, Putnam. When, yes. Yeah. Well, Sam, you have uh, that soprano sax, you've got a clarinet, a flute is here, but, I mean, the one thing that you and Michael have in common is the penny whistle. That's and, well, and, uh, what we have in common is that we both own some. <laughs> That's about where it ends. Sam really plays them. Yeah, he, he has unrolled a, uh, or unfurled, I guess you would say, a case full of penny whistles here today. Uh-oh, here we go, two at once. Two at once. Whoa. Now there's a sound you don't hear every day. <laughs> Sounds like the Chattanooga choo-choo. What's <laughs> yeah, good for that? These, these, this particular whistle is made by a man named Michael Burke who uh, makes whistles of all different materials. This one is made of aluminum and is a low F, I think. Mm-hmm. Like the, he, you sort of name them after the lowest note on the instrument. 
So the same song I played earlier. Sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And then you get the higher whistles and... Or even... Uh, I go for broke. Let's pick one that's even <laughs> higher. How about... Oh, the little line. Yeah, here, yes. did play that one. <laughs> this is the key of uh, who knows what. <laughs> That's for the canine population. <laughs> we won't do any more of that for the moment. But, um, yes, I love the whistles. They're so expressive. Mm-hmm. Have you found... Yeah, and 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 the 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 reason I like whistles is you can sort of get in at the entry level like I have done and play very simple stuff, but then you can go as deep into it as you want to with the the little slurs you were doing and the I don't even know what you call them, the little All tags, the ornaments. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a traditional player and I mean the real Irish players, you know, they really they have all these, there's a language of ornaments, this whole, uh-huh. uh, it's a language, and mm. I don't really speak it. But I kind of do the American version, yeah. and uh, sometimes I think for what I do, it's more appropriate. But Do you have yeah. a favorite instrument? instrument that you play? That is such a hard, which of your children would you, you know, <laughs> yeah. but... Um, Where did you start? I started on uh, French horn, um, oh. which I don't play anymore. And I, <laughs> Where did that come I from? I love the horn, but uh, um, I had to, I gave it up for baseball uh. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then took up the flute. And the funny thing is, and I've heard other woodwind players who double say this, that the instrument that they started on has always been the hardest one for them, the mm. one that they struggled with the most. Huh. And flute is still, it's a very jealous instrument. You have to practice it a lot. It, it requires a lot of dedication, yeah. you know, purity of sound and all that. Uh-huh. The one that has always been easiest for me and that I feel like I have a most natural sound on is the soprano sax. Uh-huh. So I suppose if you put me on an island, you know, and said, okay, you can only have one instrument to entertain yourself, it would be that. Really? You know? Cast away Sam here. Yeah, your flute playing has always just blown me away. I haven't heard you play the other others as much, but I know like I, I did a we did a record together um to the mystery, the flute solo you did on that is still one of my favorite flute solos, kind of of all time. So. And as Thank long you, as I man. look at a flute player, I'll never understand how you do what you do. <laughs> it is weird. You have to make that funny little. It's a face bizarre and, instrument. Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> it well, let's talk about uh, your your music, instrumental music, as as an art, as a, as an act of worship, uh, creative worship. Sam, is it, uh, you ever, you know, we, we were joking earlier before going on the air here that uh, instrumentalists sometimes, you know, everything takes place over your music, you know, dinner takes place over your music and it's conversation. Music. Yeah, it's yeah. It's more than background, though. It's a challenge always, I think, for an instrumentalist to communicate what they're looking to, if there's a message you know how mm-hmm. do you how do you put a christian message how do you put the gospel into a melody that somebody uh has never heard before mm-hmm. and you can do it with a title but in some ways that's cheating but yeah uh it's of course one easy answer is to pick a song like be Without my vision pick out hymn pick sure. a gospel tune but another way and I think it's it's perfectly valid is to just play from your heart. I mean, what else is present there mm-hmm. when you finally clear away everything else, all of your hurts and all your, your anger and all of your problems and all the things that get between you and the music? What's, what is it but God? Mm-hmm. And that's been really, I think, for a lot of my experience in church, some of the, my, the purest moments have been just hearing the music, yeah. instrumental music. So I, I kind of think of the wordless voice mm-hmm. of instrumental music mm-hmm. as yeah. communicating 
somehow the, the the most intimate kind of yeah. message you can possibly communicate. That's what I. That's the way yeah. I think. I, I I totally. I mean, I'm sort of cutting my throat by saying this, but I think next to silence, hmm. instrumental music is my favorite, and then next to that, music with lyrics. That's next for me in terms of what it can say. I think silence says the most. Well, it's expressive in a different way. I mean, the the lyrics obviously are expressive, but the, the instrumental they music... They can it, be. It can be. Yeah, I yeah. understand. Do you feel that? I mean, you're interpreting a feeling, right? That's right. And and when it's in its best form, I I don't exist. Hmm. You know, I, I you do struggle with everything technically, of course, but when you finally feel like the music is speaking for itself. You don't even really feel that you're playing it. It's just something that happens. And mm. it, it, uh, it, it can be as much for the player as the listener and uh, a really uplifting experience. Mm. Um, I have to say one of my favorite things as an instrumentalist is to accompany a, vo- oh. a vocalist because really? when a story is being told, this I think you were talking about the story. I mean, the story is inspiring too. Mm. It's not... It's a different kind of inspiration, but yeah. the story for me, dr- the drama, the story. I mean, how can be how you can you get more dramatic than mm-hmm. the Jesus story? Mm-hmm. And so I'll hear the story and I'll play in a way that I never imagined. And I, you respond, I would yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's what worship is. Worship is response. I think yes. it's response to hearing the word. Well, Sam, thank you for coming in today. Now, we, we talked about the flute. We actually heard you play the flute because you accompanied Michael on the song here, Lift Up the Suffering Symbol, today. So we got to hear you on that flute here in the studio. Right. Can we hear it again? We've got a well, few seconds I'll... here. <clears throat> Uh-oh. <laughs> so glad you sat in with us for this session in the studio. If the Lord has used this hour to help you consider some new insights about your relationship with Christ, please take a moment and pass along your comments. There are several ways to do this. Post a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or give your reaction on Spotify or email your reactions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. Look for information about our guests on our podcast page at michaelcard.com. And stay current with Michael's ministry and interact with other listeners when you check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page. We're so glad to point you to the wonderful resources from our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. We hope you'll explore the in-depth commentaries and topical editions and study Bibles that can help enrich your understanding of God's Word. Take a moment and see what's waiting for you when you visit csbible.com. When you order, use the promotion code card 40 typed with caps and no spaces to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Take the steps to learn and grow this summer at csbible.com. For Ron Davis now and Susan Sermon and Lance Mansfield, and of course our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We're glad you've spent time together with us in the studio with Michael Carr.